Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Happy Easter, everyone. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We are entering into a new iteration of the podcast for the Easter season. As we make our way into this Easter tide, I'm going to be bringing individuals onto the show and I'm going to be interviewing them about good work that they're doing. But but I have a specific angle for it. I'm going to be asking people, what does resurrection look like? And we're going to be musing on this particular question as we hear about important work that individuals are doing. Today, I'm really excited to bring on Nick Donko. Nick is a friend of mine, and he, as you'll hear, works with an organization that that really helps in a very unique and interesting approach individuals experiencing homelessness. And so as we learn about Nick's work with something called the Reciprocity Collective, we're also going to be reflecting together, both Nick and I, on what resurrection looks like and how we see new life taking hold in the good work that Nick um, and the Reciprocity Collective are doing here in Denver, Colorado. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, As always, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Please uh, leave us a a like or or a rating or a review in the iTunes store that really does help other people find the podcast and feel free to share this with family and friends we really appreciate it but now here is nick talking about his work with the reciprocity collective hey everybody thanks for listening to the together for good podcast we're moving into a new season and so i and bringing on guests all Easter long who are going to be talking about cool work that they're doing. I don't want to get into too many details yet. First and foremost, welcome to the podcast, Nick Donko. Nick, hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. How are y'all doing? <laughs> Nick's here. Nick helps out with all sorts of random things here at Bethany from time to time. Um, and his partner, Colleen, is our coordinator of media. So that's part of how he ended up getting connected here. And Nick is the project manager for the Reciprocity Collective. So Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us just a little bit about what this local Denver organization does. Yeah, so um, one of the things that the Reciprocity Collective believes is that vibrant connections create vital communities. And so in that, we try to partner with uh, folks on the margins and people who are experiencing homelessness um, in order to be like, hey, we are with you, we see you and we are going to be a guide with you as you try to figure out um, what comes next for you. So that could mean that you are trying you know, to get sober or that means that you are trying to get some resources um, that you know, mm-hmm. are effective in your life because I think one of the things that we don't think about is just like how important like documents are. Like having an ID yeah. is something that is, is crucial and we don't really think about our driver's licenses, but like if you don't have an ID, there are so many things that are not accessible to you. No and kidding. So, um, yeah, like we try to um, kind of put our arm around folks and be like, hey, like, you know, we know that, you know, there are a lot of service agencies out there, um, but like we're going to try to like walk with you as you try to figure out what your goals are and what looks best for you. That's great. Wow. What an amazing organization. And I mean, just with that, too, I can only imagine. I mean, you, you probably know some of the statistics on this, too. In my experience, it feels like there is a large population of people experiencing homelessness in the Denver area. Is that fair? Is it larger than most 
metropolitan areas or um i would say yes in um recent years the point in time count so that's the amount of people that are sleeping on um like unsheltered so on Uh on the streets has increased um substantially um i think the last point in time count was 2020 okay um but yeah it's it's been something where we're seeing an increase in part of it is that like Denver writ large is seeing um, so many more people that are moving um, to the city. And so there's um, already a housing crisis that exists. And for people who are, you know, on the margins or who are, you know, precariously housed, they have found themselves being pushed out. um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many things that have that create barriers for people in getting housing and getting the services that they need. Yeah, and I mean, like the the just the rate at which price of rent and homes in Denver is exploding, right? As you kind of mentioned too, more people coming to the area. I'm sure this all plays a factor. Do, do you think that the pandemic had a role in some of this, hmm. in any way, shape, or form? I, I'm not even sure necessarily how it would affect all of that. But it just, you know, it is the the event on all of our minds yeah, yeah. that lives large. You, you haven't seen or heard anything specific to that point? I would say that, like, and I'm editorializing here, but I sure. feel like it definitely does play a role because yeah. of the fact that it created so much instability um, for folks. Uh, good point. And I think, like, because there was, you know, instability on top of maybe other things that are going on, people, you know, may not have been able to keep up with rent or people who were receiving services for substance um, use may not have gotten those services because places were closed. Good point. And so it was creating all of these things that, like, further um, exacerbated the issues around um, homelessness and things where people who were, you know, already kind of on the edge were pushed, you know, further into, um, I guess, yeah, into into the margins. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just yeah, job loss, like you were saying too. All of those pieces. I I hadn't put together all the pieces very well in my head yet. But so I mean, that's really incredible. Like in important and timely work that your organization then is doing. I'm sure the Reciprocity Collective has been around for a while. It didn't just pop up mm-hmm. in the last couple. Of years. Do you have any idea how long well, it's been doing this work? It's relatively new. We're okay. we're a small um, organization, a small team. Um, our executive director is the co or is the founder, okay. and she founded the organization six years ago. Oh wow! So okay. relatively new, um, but experiencing new yes. wrinkles of it. Yeah, <laughs> given definitely. everything that's going on, definitely. Well, and this is great because we're kind of creating this picture right now of the need for this work, right, and the difficult situations that people find themselves in. And, and I, I'm, I like bringing in the pandemic angle too because it helps us all see as well. Um, people who experience homelessness, like there can be any number of factors that lead them to that, right, right. that point in time. Right. And, um, and so, you know, it can happen, it can happen to anyone is a lot of the way that we talk about it. But one of the reasons I'm bringing you on the podcast, this whole Easter season, I want to talk with folks about what resurrection looks like. Easter is the season when we celebrate Christ's resurrection, but I firmly believe that the reality of the resurrection continues to break into our life each and every day in new ways. Mm-hmm. And so a, a social service agency like the Reciprocity Collective, I, I mean, I'm just wondering if you could speak to that, of the ways that you see resurrection happen in the work that this organization does. Yeah, I think that um, resurrection definitely is something that happens, not 
just during um, the Easter season, um, but rather you know throughout the year because I think humans uh, we all have you know that that need of wanting to figure out what we're doing you yeah. know like what is our like how is the divine how is God calling us into um, you know the world and like we want to figure out like how we can live our lives well and yeah. so I think one of the things that we see um, you know with the folks that we work with is that like there is resurrection because there there are things that happen that you know like somebody somebody gets housed or somebody you know somebody is able to go into a treatment program that they have been avoiding because like they have been struggling and they don't like want to let people know that they're struggling yeah and that's a huge step that's like you know that is in a sense being reborn there is that sense yeah. of like being able to come out openly um and and to to do you know that work of i was i was going to say like coming out of our own tombs yeah so yeah speak. absolutely um, well yeah because the reality of yeah, the tomb has this like representation of of, of death to it, mm. and we all—I can't remember who the philosopher is who talked about like the little deaths that we experience each and every day. Yeah, but it's that same idea, and and I mean, I'm sure for a lot of people, the tomb, the tomb also, also represents hopelessness. Right, right, right. Like absolute despair is what everyone must have been feeling on Good Friday and the Saturday in between, and up until up the until moment when Jesus was risen. Right, and I mean. And so I'm just wondering, yeah, like, ha, do you have any stories that you're able or willing to share or just places where you're kind of seeing despair overcome specifically in the work that you are doing? Yeah, so um, we have this person that we work with, um, and he has just really had a tough time with employment, and um, he is unhoused, and he's just a lot of different barriers that have been, you know, in that he's gone through and um you know one of the the big things that we were able to do was we were able to get his birth certificate which like Whoa. may not sound like a big thing to like you or i where it's like you know i i can call my parents because uh -huh. i know that they have my birth certificate somewhere in their house in a file cabinet um, in the basement in a, yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but like you know if you don't have a birth certificate like in the state of Colorado, you can't get an ID uh -huh. if you're not born here. Uh -huh. So, like, it takes a while. And so, you know, something as small as being able to get a birth certificate so you can get an ID, you know, is is a huge step. And for them, it's like, you know, this, this you know, getting out of that pit of despair, so to speak. Totally. So, because it's, like, something that they've been waiting on. And it's something that they have, you know, you know, they apply to um, get this ID, this birth certificate from out of state. And it takes a while. And going back to COVID, like COVID has slowed things down in terms of yep. agencies being yep. able to get things to people. And so getting, you know, getting a birth certificate so that you can get an, uh, your uh, ID so that you can, you know, apply for different jobs is like a huge step. And it's, a, it's, it's really cool to see that, to see kind of that, like, you know, um, that light that someone has. Yeah. Well, when, and I'm just, yeah. I love that. That, that's the story you tell, too, because what a cool example. Like, here is this person who can't prove that he was born without right. this birth certificate. And when you can't prove that, then, as you're saying, like, ripple effects. You can't access this. You can't access that. But, but getting him his birth certificate is literally proving his life. 
right? Like it's right, such a right. cool metaphorical, I don't know if you did that on purpose, but it has such a cool <laughs> metaphorical analogy of exactly what we're talking about of like, mm. yeah, that is literal resurrection of what like, he was not able to prove to anyone that he existed. Like, even though he's standing in front of them, right? Be, without that birth certificate, the, you like, know, the state I of Colorado guess, says, right. yeah, you do not exist. We can, right. we need proof that you exist, even though you're standing in front of us. And so that's what your organization gave to him. Like right. literal life, a, a proof of life. Um, yeah, I just love that that's a story you told because that has so many cool connections to it. But I mean, the other piece that I'm thinking about with this, you talked about how the tagline for Reciprocity Collective is vibrant connections create vital communities. Did mm-hmm. I get that right? Um, oh, sorry. Vital um, connections create vibrant communities. Vi- yeah. So I, I think I flipped that wrong. Okay. Yeah. Vital. Yeah. And because I know that they're listening and making sure you don't do anything <laughs> that the media doesn't approve of. Vital connections create vibrant communities. And I, I love that idea too. I wanted to play with that a second here of, I mean, how do you see, talk about how your organization approaches it. Cause I'm guessing if it's about vital connections, that is very interpersonal, that this is the image that I'm getting. Yeah. That it's a very interpersonal approach because you're like, that too is affirming of the life of another, right? Like right. by creating a real relationship and connection. So could you just say a little more about how you, you guys go about creating vital connections? Yeah, with so your clients? Um, one of the things that we try to do is that we really try to focus on the humanity of each mm. of the participants that we're working with. So I think in traditional um, social service agencies, there is this expectation that like, all right, we have these people on our caseloads, there's, you know, 10 to 20 of them, we will call them, you know, once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather, our caseloads are like, you know, we are working with, you know, these five people. And like, if we're working with them, that means like, we're going to be calling to check in, and we're going to try to establish a relationship with them. Because I think like so many times, like people won't necessarily take you seriously if they feel like you're going to be in and out or if they feel like it's transactional. Yeah. Um, so it's that establishing a relationship and kind of creating a sense of reciprocity. Like, oh. you know, I'm like here working with you and I hope that you're getting something from me as well um, as we work together to help you um, or to assist you rather actualize your goals yeah and so it's that it's that idea of like i am like you know i'm not just you know in this hierarchical um position where it's i am the service provider i am the expert but rather like what can how can we creatively come together to um address some of the things that are going on in your life yeah and so the one of the pieces I want you to say more about, you talked about actualizing their goals. Do the clients sort of come with telling you what it is that they're seeking? Mm-hmm. I would say that it depends. <laughs> That's kind of a cop-out answer, but it depends on the, the, the client. It sure. depends on the person. Um, so there are some people who are like, I know exactly what I need. I need, you know, I need to get a job. I want to be employed in this place. What can we do to get me there? Mm-hmm. And there are other people who are like, I am just, like, so sick and tired of being on the streets. Sure. And, like, that is where, that is my entry point. And, like, that's where they are. So it's like, all right, so then we're going to, what can we do to work together so that, like, you, that we can get you to a point where, like, you're not on the streets? Like, what can we do thinking creatively to, like, 
what are the barriers that exist? Mm -hmm. How can we address some of those barriers? Mm -hmm. Like, for you, like, you know, with, um, are there things that are barriers, like, for, like, you know, you interperson, like, in your soul? Um, are there... Are, are there barriers that exist in the city or with other agencies yeah. that you have tried to navigate and it hasn't gone well? How can we as an organization coordinate with those agencies? Um, housing is a huge barrier, especially in Denver. Yeah. Um, what can we do so that like, like the issue of housing doesn't become you know, the, the main thing? Like how can we work together? And sometimes it's, it's definitely something that ebbs and flows. Um, as I think, as it happens with every sort of relationship, like there's ups and downs, mm -hmm. but it's that idea that like, we are going to have your back. We're going to support you even when it's not, you know, even when things are hard. Well, is, do you think that that's part of where, like that philosophy you're describing, is this also why it's called the reciprocity collective? Like that's, those are two very interesting <laughs> words that yeah. they put together there. Yeah. Can you say more too about like where you think that name comes from? Yeah, I think it is... I, th I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. I think it is that idea of, you know, that it's a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm not just asking of you. You can ask of me. Mm. Um, and, like, yeah. you can kind of, you know, we can work together. It's Because I feel like oftentimes it's like I am, you know, as I said before, there is an expectation as, like, the service provider, like, I'm going to give you a list of things that you need to do. I expect that you do them, uh, and then, like, if you don't do them, and you don't get what you need, that's on you. That's not my fault. That's on you. And But rather, I think what the Reciprocity Collective does is to kind of break away from that, um, from that mold, and to be like, all right, like, you know, here are some things that, like, you should consider doing, and here are some things that I'm going to do, uh -huh. and let's try to figure out, like, what we can do together to, to, to get you what you need. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, like, it's about, like, you and where, like, the, the various things that you need to kind of get going. And it's not necessarily about me or my ego or, like, how I would perceive this um, issue to go or, like, what I would do. But rather, like, you know, what can we do together to get you, like, where you need to be. Where, where you need to be. Interesting. Do you feel like this approach is effective? I do. I do. It's it's such an interesting approach because it's it's um, an approach that I have not seen in any other Yeah, no kidding. Me either. that I've ever been um, at. So it's it's interesting in the sense that like we like I really do appreciate like that we are there with people no matter like what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes um, folks in different agencies um Give, whether it's like their caseloads or the types of uh, people that they work with within the population, they sometimes are like, all right, like, you know, we need to see this sort of, you know, quantitative data uh -huh. that expresses that we're doing an effective job. Totally, right. Um, and I haven't felt that sense of pressure, um, which is, which leads to us being able to, like, work in the landscape a lot, I, I guess, like... No, that's a good way to put it, because I'm sure, like, sometimes it's a quick... You you know, you, you can manage to figure things out for a right. really quickly, and other times you wait six months for Wisconsin to send the birth certificate right, over. Right, and right. And you just have... <laughs> you have to figure out some things in, in the interim. Right. 
but that's I mean <laughs> so so it's much more about it sounds like you know the way you're describing it you know really dealing with the quality of care for your clients as opposed to the quantity right of right care. right yeah but right. which also just might be more effective long term I would think too is that you know, rather than just a quick fix mm-hmm. in order to add to your tally sheet, you're able to actually make substantive change in the lives of a person. Right, right. Getting them well established so that they don't end up back. Back, yeah. And I think, like, even if something were to happen where they do end up back, it's like, all right, you know, your case was not closed, right. per se, but rather, like, something may have happened. Let's see if we can kind of get you back going again. Yeah, and you've already hopefully got a relationship and details, and you, you know, you're not starting right. from square one. Right. What, I, what I'm finding, too, what I love about the way you're describing this work, too, is it's, it does seem to fit so well within this resurrection framework that we're talking about, of the fact that your organization is focused on bringing people, like, acknowledging the humanity of people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what, literally by finding them birth certificates, but also just in your approach to it. And really building with relationships, which to me, theologically speaking, is so much of how I understand the resurrection, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is that, like, when Jesus appeared in risen form, he showed up in very human ways in Mm -hmm. order to, you know, like, the women are crying in the garden and he walks out of the tombs. It's like, why are you weeping? Like, it's a very human connection. Mm-hmm. right from the start a very compassionate connection um or like when doubting thomas is like unless i get to actually put my hands in the wounds i won't believe and so jesus is like fine like and shows up <laughs> yeah. and literally provides thomas with that peace that he needed so desperately in order to overcome his grief and his fear at that moment right like it's it's that bringing like building relationship also builds hope for people Right. I'm sure that's a part of like the way that you guys are approaching is like this when people are in their tombs, as you were saying, and Mm -hmm. in these places of despair, they just need to know that someone else actually cares about them. Right. Right. And I I really like that. um, The way that you said that is that like people we we don't know exactly like, you know, where people are coming from and like what their tomb looks like. Right. And and that can, you know, it can be something where there is the that like sense of deep despair or deep shame um, about you know whatever they're experiencing in their life. However, there is that promise of like resurrection. There is that promise of being like, hey, like I see you, I value you. I I like I hear like I I value your inherent like you know you know that you are a child of God. Yeah. And we are gonna figure out you know what that you know we're going to figure out what it looks like for you to like live your best life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that to me speaks toward to the resurrection that like rebirth. Yeah. Um, it speaks to, you know, I, I, cause I think like often so much in this work, we see a lot of the tomb and yeah. it's, it's hard to like, there are some days where I feel just utterly defeated. I'm sure. Um, because it's like we did not get anything accomplished or we, you know, we Wisconsin spent... <laughs> still didn't send the birth certificate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or like there is this barrier that's set up or like I couldn't, you know, get through to, um, you know, this agency. So like this thing didn't happen for yeah. somebody. Mm-hmm. And so like we see a lot of tombs, like we see a lot of, of 
those negative things but like i think often like when that tomb opens mm-hmm. and like having that you know to like that emergence yeah, it's so yeah, special yeah. and it's so awesome um and that's i think like one of the things that i keep coming back to and this not only just in this season but like that that idea of like being reborn and that idea of that that new life um is is occurring yeah and it's really cool to listen to you describe all that because it strikes me too like you said you know like it's a long process sometimes Mm -hmm. but the the cracking open of the tomb it strikes me right like the you know they're continuing with this analogy cracking open of the tomb is the big it begins with you or your other coworkers acknowledging the humanity of these people yeah, yeah. Right? Like, because what put them in the tomb is that somewhere along the way, people were denying their humanity, right? Like, the, someone cared more about a rent check than right. seeing this person live on the street. Right. So that's why they're in the situation they're in. And then the way you all approach it, right? The way you start to roll away the stone, so to speak, is by just being like, okay, like, we're in this together. You know, I'm going to ask you to do some things, but what can I do for you? Like you were describing for it. Mm. That's beautiful. This is amazing. Um, Nick. Thank you for sharing all this. How can we learn more about the Reciprocity Collective, um, support it, etc.? Do you want to do any little sort of plug here? Yeah, I guess I'll do a plug for uh, TRC. So one of the things um, out in the community that we value is that I think in order to even you know be um, engaged in the topic, it, it does take some you know just like awareness of what's happening in your community. Mm. So I think like you know rather than kind of shut yourself off to issues around um, homelessness or um, people who are um, struggling with substance abuse or lack of employment, like kind of, you know, take a step back, maybe mm. do some um, some of your own reading and then ask yourself, like, you know, how is it that I, like, how, how is it that I am seeing people on the margins? Mm. Um, what does that look like for me? And then um, I would say that, like, uh, my, like, big, uh, bold idea is that, like, people volunteer for um, not only just TRC, but other, you know, organizations that do this work um, in the community. Um, But I guess on a smaller scale, um, we are currently looking for, um, you know, donations of, like, chapstick or socks Oh, no way. Um, socks are huge. I didn't realize how big socks are yeah, yeah. until, like, relatively recently. Because, um, you know, when you think about, like, the ability to just, like, be able to change your socks every day. Yeah. Um, when you're, you know, out, you don't have the opportunity. And so your socks get really gross. And that can lead to a whole bunch of health issues mm-hmm. in a way that I was not aware of until, like, you know, <laughs> until I started in this position. Um, but yeah, like we're looking for socks and other donations as well for men, uh, for men and women's socks. So that is also my good my to plug. know. So yeah, the sock plug, the sock plug. So what does resurrection look like? A good pair of socks. Good pair of socks. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Nick, thank you for taking time to chat with us. Yeah, Pastor Nate, thank you for having me. No, then thanks for the good work that you're doing. This is really, really important, and what a cool organization. I appreciate you bringing it to our attention, and yeah, giving your vocation to it at the moment. Really appreciate that. Friends, thanks for listening. Stay in peace.